Welcome to another installment of the Apex Leadership Podcast with me, Bruce Simag. I'm so excited uh, once again to be coming live through your speakers and uh, bringing you the inspiration that you need. Uh, uh, I work for DLA Consulting, a strategic planning and leadership development firm based in Johannesburg, South Africa. And today I'm going to talk to you about developing a passion for your vision. As a matter of fact, if time permits, we might look at other practices of leaders who are empowerers. If you remember, in the previous episode, I did my best to share with you the difference between uh, controllers and empowerers. Now, as American pilots were shot down and captured during the Korean War, they were interrogated by the Chinese and North Koreans to determine whether they should be placed in minimum or maximum security prison camps. The minimum security camps had dormitories, cafeterias, recreational halls, and even libraries. They resembled, to some extent, life on campus back in the United States. The maximum security camps, in stark contrast, consisted of simple barracks, barbed wire, guards and dogs, poor nutrition, no organized recreation, no conveniences of any sort. The way, uh, the way they determined whether a prisoner should be placed in minimum or maximum security prison was to ask him some simple and direct questions. What is your favorite football team? What kind of girl do you want to marry? Uh, what do you want to be doing in your life five years from now? Those who were clear and direct in their answers and knew what they wanted in life were placed in maximum security. And those who were uncertain and waffled in their responses were placed in minimum security. Quite interesting, right? Now, why would the Chinese and North Koreans want the pilots who were clear in their answers to be locked up in maximum security? It's simple. They were considered more dangerous, more likely to cause problems or try to escape. In spite of the incredible differences in living conditions, the disease and uh, death rate was four times higher in the minimum security compared with the maximum security camps. Why is that? Have you ever, have you ever stopped to, 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 to ask yourself why that happened in, in, in that particular uh, scenario? You see, this example illustrates the importance of the subject of vision. The pilots who were clear about where they were headed were considered dangerous men. Those who were unclear were not considered a threat at all. Now, what is vision? Put simply, vision is knowing what we want and where we are going. It is a mental image of a preferred future. An effective leader must develop a vision of a desired future state of, for his or her organization. While this task may be shared and developed with other key members of the organization, it remains the leader's core responsibility and cannot be delegated. Leaders need to provide the all-important bridge from the present to the future, and they can only do so with vision. You see, vision helps to create focus. In my experience, leaders are, are, are the most results-oriented individuals in the world, and their results get attention. The visions that they create and their intentions are compelling and attract people to them. This power, coupled with commitment, is magnetic. You know, Leaders with vision and passion do not have to force people to pay attention. They are so intent on what they are doing that they draw others in. 
In my own personal research and study, I have noticed that in most cases, the leader may have been the one who chose the vision from the options available at the moment, articulated it, gave it shape, form and uh, legitimacy and focused attention on it. But the leader rarely is the one who conceives, conceives of vision in the first place. Consequently, the leader must also be an incredible listener. You know, especially to those encouraging new or different ideas of the future. Most effective leaders establish both formal and informal channels of communication in order to gain access to these ideas. And they also spend a substantial portion of their time interacting with advisors, with consultants, with other leaders, scholars, planners, and a wide variety of other people, both inside and outside their own organizations in this quest. You see, to choose a direction, a leader must first have developed a mental image of a possible and desired future state of the organization. This vision may be as vague as a dream or as precise as a goal or mission statement. The critical point is that a vision articulates a view of a realistic, credible, attractive future for the organization. A condition that is better in some uh, uh, important ways than what now exists. When President John F. Kennedy uh, set a goal of putting a man on the moon by 1970, or Bill Gates aimed to put a computer in every house in America, they were focusing attention on worthwhile and uh, attainable achievements. You see, a vision always refers to a future state, a condition that does not presently exist. It is a target that summons. You know, great leaders are not necessarily more talented than other people. They, however, know what they want and are passionate to reach their goals. These leaders have a clear and they have clear and concise goals and know how to accomplish them. Their passion for making their vision a reality drives them to be 100% present and focused in their activity. I share on this principle in my book, uh, The Final Lab, Practical Tools for Empowering Leaders, and you can get my book on Amazon.com. Now, let's continue. These leaders do not allow events or circumstances to determine what will happen to them or to sidetrack them from achieving their determined outcomes. Their vision is the inspiration to rise above adversity, overcome setbacks, and avoid failure. Remember Christopher Columbus? How he envisioned uh, a new world long before he ever discovered it? You know, he overcame humiliation and adversity to gain the resources he required to achieve his dream. President Nelson Mandela and Abraham Lincoln also dreamt of freedom for their countrymen from bondage and did all they could, you know, they did all they could to help set all men free. They led their countries through horrific times in their history and paid high prices. Their visions were realized, but at a great cost. To understand why vision is so central to leadership success, we only need to reflect on why organizations are formed in the first place. You see, an organization is a group of people engaged in a common enterprise. Individuals join the enterprise in the hope of receiving rewards for their participation. Depending upon the organization and the individuals involved, the rewards might you know, be largely economic or they might be dominate, uh, dominated by psychological considerations, you know, 
things like status, self-esteem, a sense of accomplishment, a meaningful experience, etc. But just as the individual derives rewards from his or her role in the organization, so too does the organization derive its uh, rewards from finding an appropriate niche in the larger society. Hence, on the one hand, an organization seeks to maximize its rewards from its position in the external environment, and on the other hand, individuals in the organization seek to maximize their reward from their participation in the organization. When the organization has a clear sense of its purpose, direction, and desired future state, and when this image is widely shared, individuals are able to find their roles. They are able to find their roles within uh, 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 in the larger society, both in the organization and in the larger society. What about you and me? What could happen if we became clear in our vision to realize the positive outcomes we desire? The clearer our vision, the more passionate we become about making that vision a reality. You know, even an architect sees a building before he builds it. He draws a picture of it, exactly how it will uh, uh, look, you know, down to every detail, including the color of the flowers surrounding it. What is your understanding of passion and vision? Tom Watson, the founder of IBM, you know, uh, when asked to what he attributed the phenomenal success of his company, he said to have answered, IBM is what it is today for three spe special reasons. The first reason is that at the very beginning, I had a very clear picture of what the company would look like when it was finally done. You might say I had a model in my mind of what it would look like when the dream or my vision was in place. The second reason was that once I had that picture, I then asked myself how a company which looked like that would have to act. I then created a picture of how IBM would act and you know when it was finally done. The third reason IBM has been so successful was that once I had a picture of what IBM would, would look like when the dream was in place and how such a company would have to act, I then realized that unless we began to act that way from the beginning, we would never get there. In other words, I realized that for IBM to become a great company, it would have to act like a great company long before it ever became one. From the very outset, IBM was fashioned after the template of my vision and each and every day we attempted to model the company after that template. At the end of each day we asked ourselves how well we did, discovered the disparity between where we were and where we had committed ourselves to be and at the start of the following day set out to make up for the difference. Every day at IBM uh, was a day devoted to business development, not doing business. We didn't do business at IBM, we built one. My word, what a visionary, what a visionary leader. He was so clear in his vision, he knew exactly what he wanted to create and he created his organization even up to today, many years after his uh, uh, passing. IBM still continues as a large organization operating in many countries throughout the world. Now, vision is the power to transcend what is and bring into existence what does not currently exist. It is the power by which anything worthwhile is accomplished. You see, everything that exists today was first created in the mind. 
Everything you see around you existed in someone's mind before it became a reality. Not only are physical objects such as buildings, chairs, tables, etc. first created in the mind, but the spiritual, psychological and interpersonal as well. You see, the quality of our lives, our relationships and our sense of personal identity stem from our deepest assumptions and core beliefs before they become actualized in reality. And people who succeed are first and foremost people of vision. They, they may be good technically, but it is the compelling nature of their vision that propels them to success. Be aware, however, that there are people who will try to talk you out of your vision. People who will tell you that you are crazy and that it can't be done. There will be those who will laugh at you and try to bring you down to their level. Monty Roberts, author of uh, The Man Who Listens to Horses, calls these people dream stealers. Don't listen to them. You see, when Monty was in high school, his teacher gave the class an assignment to write about what they wanted to do when they grew up. Monty wrote that he wanted to own his own 200-acre ranch and raise thoroughbred race horses. His teacher gave him an F and explained that the grade reflected that he deemed his dream unrealistic. No boy who was living in a camper uh, on the back of a pickup truck would ever be able to amass enough money to buy a ranch, purchase breeding stock, and pay the necessary, necessary salaries for ranch hands. When he offered Monty uh, the chance of rewriting his paper for a higher grade, uh, Monty told him, you can keep the F. I'm keeping my dream. <laughs> Today, Monty's 154-acre uh, flag is uh, flag is up farms in, in, in California, raises thoroughbred racehorses and trains hundreds of horse trainers in a more humane way to join up with and train horses. You see, whenever you face resistance and opposition, remember all the courageous men, all the courageous men and women who have ever dared to step out of the dominant culture of resignation and mediocrity and endeavored to create the life of their dreams. Remember Walt Disney, who was born in 1901 in an upstairs bedroom of a small house in Chicago, Illinois. From these humble beginnings, you and I know how he went on to build one of the largest entertainment companies in the world. He was a dreamer from the very start. In the early 1950s, Walt had a, a vision to create an amusement park like no other. You know, his preliminary uh, drawings for Disneyland were put uh, in a folder with the following description. The idea of Disneyland is a simple one. It will be a place for people to find happiness and knowledge. It will be a place for parents and children to share pleasant times in one another's company. A place for teachers and pupils, uh, and pupils to discover greater ways of understanding and education. Here, the older generation can recapture the, no the nostalgia of days gone by, and the younger generation can savor the challenge of the future. Here will be the wonders of nature and man for all to see and understand. Disneyland will be based upon and dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. And it will be uniquely equipped to dramatize these dreams and facts and send them forth as a source of courage and inspiration to the entire world. Disneyland will be a fair, an exhibition, a playground, a community center, a museum of living facts, and a sure place 
of beauty and magic. It will be filled with accomplishments, the joys and the hopes of the world we live in, and it will remind us and show us how to make those wonders a part of our own lives. Sometime in 1955, Walt Disney will present for the people of the world and children of all ages a new experience in entertainment. You see, Walt's business associates thought he was crazy. They said to him, we're in the movie business, not in the amusement park business. He replied, we're in the happiness business. Disneyland will bring more happiness to millions of people in ways that movies never could. He had a clear and compelling vision that he was passionate about. His dream attracted people and resources, provided motivation and commitment to keep going down the path even if the going got tough. American President John F. Kennedy, who articulated a vision that mesmerized uh, the United States with his Men on the Moon address in 1961, in his own words, he said, this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before the decade is out of landing a man on the moon and retaining him safely on the earth. No single space project in this period will be far more important, will be more important for the long-range exploration of space and none will be so difficult and expensive to accomplish. President Kennedy knew that his vision would have to transcend partisanship, politics and military interests to generate the sustained motivation necessary to accomplish such a, such a feat. Though he did not live to see the vision realized, the prospect or the idea of putting a man on the moon extended beyond his administration and unified the efforts of countless scientists, politicians and government contractors. That inspiring, faith-demanding vision you may remember so well served to make the American space program the most advanced in the world by 1969. This success typified many aims of visionary leaders, cooperative effort and accountability, motivation that outlived the leader's presence within the organization and a potential accomplishment that cemented a collective purpose of ident and, and, and identity. Nearly uh, 10 years later, when Neil Armstrong, Armstrong set foot, or rather, his lunar boot on the moon, his statement echoed the transcendent scope of what the country sought to do. That one small step for man was one giant leap for mankind. Start defining your vision for your organization. You can answer the following questions. What is my personal vision? What qualities and skills do I have? What do I believe can make me a better leader? How could I contribute to that? What would not happen if I were not here? Write down your vision as a leader. Spend some time on this and list everything that you can do to apply action to your vision. And what would you change or what needs to change in order to facilitate the accomplishment of your vision? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Apex Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited even as I uh, conclude. Uh, I look forward to bringing you the next uh, episode. We'll probably look at uh, building trust uh, or being egoless and humble as leaders. Uh, I hope you've been inspired to, to clarify your vision, to define your vision and uh, to write it down. You know, uh, uh, if something is not written down it does not exist if it's not in writing it does not exist write it down and uh, and uh, keep it in front of you and uh, you know you know 
turn it into affirmations, turn it into faith statements, and, and continue to communicate your vision wherever you go, and uh, you will achieve it. You will accomplish it. Thank you. Subscribe to our channel, uh, to our podcast. Share our podcast with your friends. Uh, help them be inspired as well. Thank you.